0: You are listening to the Kensington Church Podcast, recorded live in Metro Detroit. To learn more about Kensington, visit kensingtonchurch.org. Good
1: morning, everybody. I'm going to invite y'all to stand as we sing this one out. Here we go. Y'all can have a
2: seat. Hey, Kensington, it's Mike Nelson, welcoming you to the final week of our Toolbox series. If this series hasn't inspired you to finally three-tone your kitchen or to install floor-to-ceiling tile in your bathroom, then That's I... Not it, That's not what this series is about? Oh, okay, it's about gathering tools to help us in our relationship with God. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Is this... My bad. Men... Did you hear about our men's retreat coming up? If not, that's why we're filming this video. Listen up. We know that getting out of our everyday routine is good for the soul. And boy, do we need that now more than ever. So, if you haven't heard yet, we're partnering with our friends at Spring Hill Camps to offer a physically distanced men's retreat. Physically distanced? That's about six feet. This is happening during the normal Man Up weekend coming up October 9th through the 11th. If you've ever been to Man Up or if you've heard about it, this men's retreat will look a bit different. But we'll enjoy many of the usual outdoor spring hill activities like zip lining rock climbing, bull riding there's no bull riding that's too bad, must be a COVID thing. Anyway, we'll still consume absurd amounts of food and study the life of Moses together through audio messages and additional resources brought to you by the Kensington Teaching Team. So bring your closest friends, those guys you'd like to get to know better, your dad, brothers, local mechanic, and head north, or Traverse City, I guess that's south for you. You can find details on event pricing, housing, and registration at kensingtonchurch.org slash retreats. Right there's the website. We hope to see you there. Right now, I'm going to turn it over to Danny Cox for a preview
0: of our upcoming series, United. We are living in one of the most politically divisive times, certainly in my lifetime. And what would Jesus say during these times? Believe it or not, when Jesus entered into history, it was an incredibly divisive time. And so we're going to step in and see the church's role starting October 11th in a series called United. United. The first week, we're going to look at something called civil discourse. Can we disagree as followers of Jesus, but still have unity and peace between each other? The second week, we're going to look at who's around your table. Who do you have in your life that have different perspectives so that we can get a wider view of the kingdom of God? And then the last week, we're going to look at how do we love our neighbor well? And we're going to talk about a parable that's very famous about a stranger loving another stranger in an extraordinary way. So I invite you to come back October 11th for this series we're calling United. And please don't forget to RSVP for your free tickets at
2: kensingtonchurch.org or join us online. As we continue with our service today, we're going to hand it over to our music teams as they help us prepare for today's message. Thank you for joining
1: us. To sing a song uh, called Trenches, and I, I had recently just heard this song a couple weeks ago. And honestly, I think it speaks to uh, where each of us are or have been at one point in our lives. And it recognizes the fact that we all have these points in our lives where it seems like things are coming at us, and we can't help but do anything but retreat and try our best to protect what we have. So like in a lot of war contexts, you see a lot of movies and stuff that talk about trenches where armies will go to hide underneath as the enemy is firing or trying to attack them. But what this song brings out and says is it says that when I'm in those trenches because I can't control or I don't have the ability to fight the things that are coming at me, I know that, Jesus, you are in the trenches with me. You are in the lowest moments of my life. And that really encourages me because I know when there are times where I feel like, hey, there's nothing else I can do to change this situation. But to know that Jesus is walking with me every step of the way. And not only is he walking with me, but he is right in the midst of the storm with me. So I hope that encourages someone. I hope this song moves us into the day and courage as well. Leah is going to lead us in this moment.
3: beautiful song and this past week I was just listening to it and especially the chorus just struck me this chorus that Leah just sang so beautifully that heart under fire facing defeat so close to surrender to my enemies but love came from heaven to fight for me when I am defenseless Jesus you climb in the trenches the trenches with me And to me, that's such a beautiful picture of the gospel and what Jesus did for us, that when we needed him the most, he came for us and he entered into the mess of our world, into the mess of our lives. And he climbed into the trenches and he did what only he could do. He transformed us. And transformation is what today is all about as we're in the final week of our series, Toolbox we're gonna be talking about the fact that when we invite Jesus into our lives and, not, and, and we allow him to have access to who we are, and not just those parts that are clean and presentable, but also those parts that we're ashamed of and that we've been hiding away for so long. And that when we allow him to have access to every, not just some of who we are, but all of who we are, he is able to do something that is truly beautiful and extraordinary in each of our lives. And so that's where we're headed. I'm excited about today. And so would you join me in prayer as we continue on? So God, we thank you. We thank you for this day. And thank you, Lord, that when we needed you the most, you came for us. We thank you for your love for us, Lord, and that you left the glory and the beauty and the comfort of heaven, Lord, and you came here to save us, God. And so we pray today, Lord, that we desire to have more of you, Lord, not just for you to just be Lord and King of just part of who we are, but all of who we are. And so as we have this conversation today and as we talk about this today, Lord, I pray that you would show us, Lord, if there are rooms in our heart that, Lord, that we've just closed off from you. And Lord, that today that you would give us the courage, Lord, that you would give us the faith and the trust in you to open that door so that you can come in and do what only you can do, which is to create something beautiful. And so we thank you, Lord, and we pray these things in your son's name. And so at this time, we also wanted to receive our offering for today. And because, of course, what is going on in our world, we haven't been passing the offering bag around for quite some time. But there are still a number of ways that we can give, and they're all listed actually on the side screens. And the first is by texting the word Kensington to 77977 and then following the prompts. And we can also give via our app or our website, which is kensingtonchurch.org forward slash giving. Or we also have offering buckets at every single one of the entrances and exits and they have orange tops on them. And so you can place your offering in there if you would like as well. But I also do wanna say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. And I actually say this every single time, not because I have to, but because truly this is one of the most generous communities that I've ever been a part of. And I'm actually gonna tell you why and how you all and your generosity and your open-handedness has impacted my life in the past three years. I've never shared this with you all, but today, a little bit later, I'm gonna talk about how you all have led me and how you all have taught me in this very important area. But before we get to that, I wanna start off by asking you all a question. How many of you during this pandemic have done some type of home renovation? Anyone? Painted, rearranged? Okay, so a lot of us, right? And so it's actually in line with the national statistic. And one organization called Porch, they actually did a study and they found that more than three in four homeowners in this country have completed some type of home improvement project since the start of this pandemic. And even more are planning to start one in the coming year. And for my wife, Robin, and I, we've done a few things, right? We've, we've, we have painted quite a few rooms in our house. We switched out some light fixtures. But the biggest thing that we did, and we didn't do it, we paid somebody to do it, but we fixed our chimney. Because for the longest time that we've owned this house, our chimney has had cracks in the mortar and the brick. And as a result, especially this past year, we had some freeloaders living inside. And So the first were squirrels, right? And this is a huge long story. And first we had squirrels and I could tell you so many stories. There was one squirrel that was pregnant and I'm so grateful that she did not have babies inside of our chimney. But another squirrel actually fell down our chimney onto the sort of like the chimney shelf damper area. And we didn't know it was down there, but it died there. And the only reason we found out about it was that the smell started permeating our house. And so I remember one day just looking down my chimney and how we got this thing out is that we literally had to fish it out with a fishing pole. And when I mean we, I mean my neighbor came over and he did it because I wasn't gonna touch this thing. (laughs) Love that guy, best neighbor ever. Who does that for somebody, right? But he did. And so finally we were able to evict these squirrels because they refused to pay any rent. But then a bunch of bees moved into that chimney and they started coming into our house. And we said, "Mm mm-mm, no, we're not gonna have bees. And so we called an exterminator and he got rid of them. And I don't know what happened after that, but maybe somebody put a vacancy sign up on our chimney, but then we had a family of bats move in. And then that was the last straw. My wife, Robin and I, we were like, "Mm mm-mm, no way. And we immediately, we called a mason and this guy came and he didn't just fix our chimney. He breathed new life into it. He made it like new. And when you think about renovation, that's the purpose of it. It's to refresh, it's to restore, it's to revive. And in this series that we're in, that we've been in for the past four weeks called Toolbox, we've been looking at different tools that we need in our journey of following Jesus. And not tools like hammers and nails and screwdrivers, but different tools like faith and open-handedness and community and having consistent rhythms in our life that move us up towards God, in towards community, and out towards the world. And today, we're going to be looking at one final tool in this series. Can anyone guess what it is? A door, door, exactly, right? We're going to be talking about a door. I have no idea how you guys figured that out, but you guys did. You guys are on it at 9 a.m. And so this is the tool that we're going to be looking at, and how Jesus wants to use this tool to access not just parts of who we are, but all of who we are to bring about what only he can do, which is a renovation of the heart. And some of what we're actually gonna be talking about comes from a great book that was written by a philosopher named Dallas Willard called The Renovation of the Heart. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it to you. And in this book, and so some of what we're gonna be talking about is from this book. And in this book, he talks about the importance of Jesus doing this work. And this is what he writes. Dallas Willard writes, accordingly, the greatest need that you and I have, the greatest need of collective humanity is renovation of our heart. That spiritual place within us from which outlook, choices, and actions come has been formed by a world away from God. Now it must be transformed. He's talking about the fact that our greatest need is that something that God can only do, a transformation of our heart. And when you think about our heart, our heart in so many ways is like a home. And it has a lot of rooms with a lot of doors. And an image is going to come up. And just a quick question. Does anyone know what movie that this picture is from? Anyone know? Monsters, Inc. Exactly, right? I heard a couple of people say Monsters, Inc. And it's a great movie. Another re- movie that I highly recommend. But basically what the purpose of this image is, is that what it communicates is, is that different doors lead to different rooms. And that's true of our heart as well because we have so many different rooms in our heart. And some of these rooms are beautiful and they're clean and they're pristine. And when people come over, we want them to see these rooms. We want them to go into these rooms and room like this. And these are the rooms that we try to project to the world. They're our Sunday best, but we have other rooms in our heart as well. Rooms that are cluttered, rooms that are messy. Because they contain all of our junk and all of our baggage. And what do we do? If we have a room like this and company is coming over, what do we do with these rooms? Right? We close a door. Maybe some of them, some of us, we might even lock the door because we don't want people, you guys know, right? You guys do. If I ever come over to your house and be like, can you show me this room? Um, but that's what we do, right? Because we don't want people to go into these rooms and see what's inside. Maybe not even Jesus. But what Jesus wants to do, is that he wants to not only enter these rooms that are in our heart, that are in our heart, but he wants to renovate them, he wants to refresh them, he wants to renew them, he wants to restore them, he wants to rearrange them, and he wants to rebuild them. And if we actually allow Jesus to do what only he can do, then we will experience what Dallas Willard calls a revolution of our heart and our spirit, where we're no longer dragging around. Things like our pain and our insecurities and our fears, things that weigh us down and things that we try to hide away from the the world. But rather what we will experience is genuine healing and genuine peace. And we will begin to live the life that God has always created us to live. And so today we're gonna be talking about two steps that we can take that will allow God to begin this renovation process in our heart. And just like so many of us know, If whenever you start a renovation, it takes time and there are hiccups along the way. And this process is no different. And when I tell you these two steps, you might think, you know what, this is so simple. And these two steps are simple. But as Danny talked about two weeks ago, simple doesn't always mean easy. And these two steps are anything but easy. And the verse that we're gonna be focusing on today, we're not gonna be looking at an entire passage, we're just gonna be looking at one verse. And this verse is from the final book in the Bible called the book of Revelation. Not revelations, plural, but it was one single revelation that was given to a man named John who was a disciple of Jesus. And Revelation is a fascinating book, but sometimes it can be a confusing book for some and even an intimidating book because there's so much imagery, there's so much symbolism involved in it. And I remember reading Revelation as a kid and in one part of the book, John describes a beast coming out of the sea with seven heads and 10 horns. And I kid you not, I'm a kid reading this and I was thinking to myself, the Loch Ness Monster is in the Bible, it's like right there, Because right? I had no idea what this meant. And John also describes a man eating a scroll and he's like, mmm, tastes like honey. And there's like a city coming out of the sky. And you read this sometimes and you're like, what in the world is happening? What does this actually mean? And what does it mean for my life? But this book, it's not meant to be confusing. It's not meant to be intimidating. It's actually meant to be a source of hope for us because it's through this that God communicates and he tells us, you know what? that in spite of everything that is going on in the world, in spite of all the pain and the suffering and the brokenness, it ends well. Because I've won, I've won the battle. And that at times it may not feel like it, especially in seasons like we're in right now, but it's through revelation that he, again, he teaches us, I am in control. And one day everything will be restored to its original design and intent. And I don't know about you, but especially this week, I needed to be reminded of this because this week I was praying for a lot of people, a lot of different people in our community. And in addition to everything that is going on with COVID, all the health issues, the job loss, families that are just totally stressed out. But in addition to all of that, I just, I prayed for so, I lost count of the number of people that actually prayed who have stage three or four cancer. I prayed for people who lost dear friends just suddenly within a matter of 48 hours, they looked like they were doing well and suddenly they passed away. I prayed for other people who have other health issues, serious health issues, people who are struggling with very difficult and deep addictions. And so I needed to be reminded that this week, that even though it may not seem like it at times, at least not through my eyes, the reality is, is that God continues to sit on the throne, that he continues to lead us, he is still king, and that he is directing all of human history to his desired destination. And that's the message of the book of Revelation. And in Revelation, what Jesus did was that he gave a message to John, a message of encouragement, but also conviction and correction to give to seven churches in this Roman province called Asia. And one of the churches was in the city called Laodicea. And the people in Laodicea, let me tell you, they were rich. They were so rich that in 60 AD that an earthquake leveled and destroyed their city. And the Roman government came to them and said, hey, you know what, guys? We want to give you money to help you rebuild your city. And their response to the Roman government was, hey, thanks guys, but we're okay, right? We got this, like, we'll just pay for it ourselves. And my question is, how much money, how rich do you have to be to say no to free money, right? But apparently these people were that rich. Maybe they were like Jeff Bezos rich. But this self-sufficiency that they had, what, what it did was that it eventually seeped into their relationship with Jesus. And slowly but surely, what they started doing to Jesus was that they started pushing him away. They started saying, hey, you know what, Jesus, we got this, right? Thanks, but no thanks, And before they knew it, Jesus was on the outside looking in. And so the verse that we're going to be looking at is part of Jesus' message to this church community in this city called Laodicea. And this is what he was saying to them. And a door is a very important part of this message. And he says to these to his followers in this church in Laodicea here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. I'm knocking. And what he was saying to them was like, hello guys. Like I'm out here, right? The person that you're supposed to be following, right? I'm actually on the outside looking in, right? You guys are literally doing church without me. Jesus is telling them. He's saying, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. And this verse is such a beautiful picture of Jesus's heart towards us, that even when we push him away and away and away, Jesus's attitude towards us isn't, you know what, forget you guys. You don't want me in your life? Good luck doing life without me. That's not what he says, but he patiently waits at the door knocking and knocking waiting and wanting for us to respond, to open that door so that he can come in. And his love is displayed in his patience and his perseverance that he does not give up on us. And for every single one of us, we have rooms like this in our life that Jesus has been knocking on the door of, rooms like this in our heart. And these rooms are filled with pain, They're filled with our fears, our addictions, our insecurity, bitterness, anger, all of this. And to these rooms, just like that messy room that we saw earlier, that cluttered room, what we so often do is that we close the door to these rooms, maybe even lock these rooms, hoping that nobody will ever see them. Nobody will ever go inside and see what's inside because we are so afraid that if somebody does see what's inside, that they'll run the other way. Or for maybe for others of us, we do this because we think that we're protecting ourselves or the people around us. But the reality is that if we want to experience wholeness, that if we want to experience freedom, if we want to experience genuine peace in our lives, if we want Jesus to truly renovate our hearts, the first step that we have to take is we have to move from a place of avoidance to a place of acknowledgement. From a place of pretending, you know what? This room doesn't exist in my life. This is not an issue in my life. No big deal. To coming to a place of realizing, you know what? This is an issue. And Jesus, without your help, I have no chance of overcoming it. From avoidance to acknowledgement. And an issue that I've struggled with for so much of my life has been generosity. And if you want to imagine what this room looks like in my life, it's just filled with a ton of stuff because for so much of my life, I've lived my life doing this, holding on as tightly as I can to the things that I have. And one of the reasons why I've done this is because growing up, I didn't, I didn't have a lot. And so the things that I have, I've tried to hold on to so tightly because I've been so afraid that if I let them go, that, I give, that if I give them away, I won't have enough for myself. But recently I've also come to the understanding that it also, part of this is also wrapped up in my story as a second generation Korean American because my parents, they were the ones who immigrated from South Korea to North America. So they're the first generation, which of course makes me the second generation. And for so many first generation Asian American parents, their desire for their children is that the reason why they sacrifice so much, the reason why they work so hard the reason why they place such a high value on their children's education is because they don't want their children to struggle like they did. They want them to live a better life, a more comfortable life than them. And so for me, my mo- the money and possessions, that's what represented this life, this life of comfort, this quote unquote better life. And so for me to give these things away, it made no sense to me at all. And so that's why I held on to things so tightly. And for the longest time, I pretended, you know what? This is not an issue in my life. This doesn't exist in my life. And I just tried to sweep it away. I closed that door, I locked that door and pretend that this room did not exist. And then I came here and I met you all. And in the three years that I have been a part of this community, God has used you all, you all who are watching on stream, to teach me, to lead me and also to convict me in this area of my life. And that God has used you all to show me, hey, you know what, Andrew? This is a problem in your life. This is an issue in your life. And this is not something new, but you have struggled with this for so long. And it's through you that God has shown me what generosity is, but at the same time, what generosity can also do. That when we choose to live like this, the beautiful and the powerful things that God can do, not just in our lives, but also in the lives of the people around us as well. And this shirt, even as I'm pointing to myself, this shirt that I'm wearing today, Hope Water Project, it's uh, it's something, it's a ministry of Kensington, where because of your generosity, people's lives in Western Kenya have been transformed. And what Hope Water Project is, is that, is that when we give, what ends up happening is that the people in Western Kenya, the POKA people, they are able to receive clean water. And as a result, lives, families, villages, an entire people group have been changed. But we not only provide clean water for them, physical water for the Poka people, we also provide living water. And that when we go into a village is that we also bring the gospel, what is able to truly change and transform. And as a result, And individual lives haven't been changed, but families, legacies, generations have been changed. And it's all because of your generosity. Incredible things. And these are the things that you have modeled for me. And these are the things that you have taught me. And so you are the ones that God has used in such a significant way to move me from a place of avoidance where I was like, you know what, not an issue in my life. I don't wanna deal with it, God, to a place of acknowledgement, of recognizing God, you have some work to do in my life. And this is a room. And this is just one of the rooms in my life. But the reality is, is that for every single one of us, we have these rooms. And so my first question to all of us today is, what is that room in your life? That room that you've closed the door and that you've locked it up and that you hope that nobody ever finds out about, that nobody ever sees what's inside and that you're pretending, you know what, it's not even there. And what would it look like for you today to move from a place of avoidance to now a place of acknowledgement, from pretending it's not there to saying, Jesus, I know this is an issue and I need your help because without you, I have no chance of overcoming. What if we actually moved to that place of acknowledgement? But in addition to moving from avoidance to acknowledgement, the second step that we need to take if we want Jesus to truly renovate our heart is we have to move from acknowledgement to action. And this picture that's going to come up in a second, it's actually, uh, it was, it's a painting. And it's a painting called The Light of the World. And it was created in the mid 19th century by an English artist named William Holman Hunt. And In the beginning of the 20th century, this was one of the most famous paintings in the world. People would literally, millions of people would literally come from all around the world to come and see this painting. And this painting is based on the verse that we're looking at in the book of Revelation. And if you look really closely, I don't know if you can see it, but if you look really closely at this painting, you'll notice that there's no doorknob on the outside. And what you notice is, is that the weeds are overgrown and that the nails and the hinges on the doors are also rusted, implying that this door has never, ever been open. And so what the artist's message to us, what William Holman Hunt's message to us is, is that it's on us to open the door. That if we want Jesus to enter into our life, we have to be the ones to open it. And this is exactly what Jesus says in Revelation 3.20. And that he tells us, I stand at the door and I knock. And I'm knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door. Notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, you know what? I'm going to force the door open. I'm just going to come in. That's not what he says. But if you hear my voice and you open the door for me to come in, then I will. I will accept your invitation. And I will come in and I will eat with you and you with me. And hopefully at least for me, that meal will be sushi, but who knows, like I'm sure it'll be something great, right? But this is what his promise to us is. And you know what the interesting thing was, was as I was reading this verse, I was thinking, you know what Jesus could do? He could just do one of these, bam! And he could just kick the door open and he could just force his way in. And he could just come in and say, you know what, Andrew? Right, you know who I am? Like I'm the son of God. I'm the savior of the world, right? You're gonna follow me and you're gonna do what I say. And that's what our relationship is gonna be. But he doesn't. He actually waits for permission. He actually waits for our invitation. He waits for us to open the door. Because what Jesus wants with us more than anything is a relationship, a relationship that's founded and based in love. And that's what we see. And the second half of this verse, because he says that if you open the door, I will come in and I will eat with you and you will eat with me. And back in the first century AD, when John wrote this and when he had this vision, eating together with someone implied a relationship of closeness, of intimacy. And that is the relationship that Jesus wants with you. And that's the, that's the relationship that he wants with me. And he understands that in order to have this relationship, it requires permission it requires an invitation that if he just forces his way in and he forces us into a relationship with him, this will not be the type of relationship that he desires. And so he stands at the door of these rooms of our heart and he knocks and he knocks and he knocks. And for some of us, he has been standing there knocking for so long, maybe for months, maybe for years, maybe even decades. And he's saying, I want you to let me in. And so what would it look like for us to open that door to Jesus today, to allow him to have access, not to just some of our life, but to all of our life. And when we open that door to Jesus, what we are, what we are giving him is we are, we are giving him permission to enter in and to renovate our heart to transform us. And the thing is, is that this is not an easy process and it requires courage. And, it's, and along this process, it may even be painful. It likely will be painful. And Jesus will ask us to do difficult things. But if we have the courage to open that door And that if we trust him enough, that he truly desires the best for us. And we believe that not just here, but here and enough to take that step and to say, Jesus, I want you to come in and to do what only you can do, that he will, and he will remove and he will throw away and get rid of the broken and the dying and the dead parts of our life. And he will build something that is beautiful, that is lasting, and that brings us greater life but we have to be willing to open that door. And when we do this, extraordinary things are able to happen. And we're actually gonna see a story of a woman named Jackie Adams and that she did exactly what we're gonna be talking about today. And so she shares some of her journey, her journey of moving from avoidance to acknowledgement and to action and ultimately the beautiful things that resulted. And so let's take a look at her story.
4: I had been married for almost 19 years and I found out some things about my husband. There were things that he was doing that were not, um, not something that I was going to put up with and asked him to leave the home. My husband did move out of state and I thought that things would, um, possibly get better and maybe he would get some help on his own down there and um, it turns out that he got even in more more trouble down there and um, was eventually incarcerated and I was devastated I just felt so alone um, I felt so broken like w- there was i just had no hope there was no hope that i had right at that time because i i was so used to having that relationship and him to count on one of my friends told me about kensington and i came to kensington and the first time i came they had a video on cr and um, i decided to join because i believed that it would help me
2: you saw the graphic on the screen for celebrate recovery and you decided to come So this is the room you went. Um, What did you feel the first time you came?
4: I was very anxious, uh, scared. I also didn't want anyone to know that I was here, so I I didn't know what to expect.
2: Did you almost, like, leave?
4: I I was almost there, but I knew I needed to be here. I knew I needed to come here um, and check it out.
2: Okay, and so you came through, there's people gathered, and did you just sit in the front row? Did you sit in the back? Where did you sit?
4: Oh, I sat in the back row. All right, I want to
2: show me where you sat.
4: Yeah, I didn't want anyone to know that I was here.
2: So, what happened that night? How was the first night of celebrate recovery?
4: They had uh, praise and worship, and they had a lesson that night, and uh, some speakers. And I sat at the open share table and pretty much cried the whole time.
2: Were you surprised that you were able to share with these people at the table?
4: the first time that i went in i didn't share too much um again i I was pretty distraught and um i pretty much just cried the entire time so i didn't really share all that much i was still a little nervous about the whole thing
2: how did you feel when you left that night
4: when i left that night i knew that i needed to go back something was prompting me to um, go back and try it again and you did and i did
2: and how did the second one go
4: the second one um, went much better. I was able to um, share a little bit more of what was going on. I joined CR, and that's when I started uh, just reflecting and um, line, lining myself up with women um, that were walking, um, walking out the steps and the principles of CR, and. Um, started to get out of that shame that i was carrying and that codependency of trying to fix somebody that i cared about um and just putting um looking at myself and my own uh, flaws and god started to work in my life through um through that at first um forgiving was very hard to do um i was so angry and bitter that um I said to myself, I'll never forgive that. There'll be no way I'll ever forgive that. And God did work on me and work on my heart to be able to forgive my husband and to forgive others. It had been a long process and of, of why I, chose to stay and and just wait it out, and I believe that God told me to just encourage my husband to just point him back to the Lord and let him know what God has done in my life and and showed me in my life and the healing that he has given me, Um, and just to be patient um, and wait and to encourage him. My husband was baptized in prison. Um, He decided to give his life over to the Lord. And I don't think, had that not happened, that that would have been something that he would have done. Um, And that brought him to his breaking point also. Um, So he gave his life over to the Lord in prison and started some prison um, ministries. I have been coming to celebrate recovery every week for the last eight years.
2: How big of an impact has Celebrate Recovery made
4: on you? It has changed my life, my outlook. Um, Of course, the Lord was in that, all of that, but um, it has just helped me immensely to learn how to handle uh, my anger, to learn how to handle conflict in a godly way.
2: What are you doing with Celebrate Recovery now?
4: Right now, um, I am ministry leader of Celebrate Recovery. Um, I am getting ready to lead a step study uh, with other women to walk along this journey. Um, And just giving back to others and mentoring, um, it's been incredible.
2: So you don't sit here anymore?
4: No, I sit all over. (laughs) There is a Bible verse um, in Psalms that talks about pulling me out of the um, muck in the mirror out of that pit um, and I believe that that's exactly what the Lord did um, through these past eight years Is he's pulled me out of that pit um, of despair and, and um, shame uh, and all that junk he's just pulled me right out of there and, and gave me a new spirit to, to love more like Jesus loves
3: I love her story. And especially that verse at the end that she mentions, it's from Psalm chapter 40. And as Jackie mentioned, it's where God tells us, I will pull you out of the pit, I will pull you out of the mud and the mire, and I will put you on solid ground. And that's what he did for Jackie. But it wasn't didn't just happen in a moment. It was a journey. It was a long journey, and at times a very difficult one. And she had to make a very important decision to move, to move from a place of avoidance to acknowledgement and then acknowledgement to action, to open that door. But because she had the faith and because she had the courage to do this, Jesus entered in and he renovated not only her heart, but her husband's heart, their marriage, and countless number of other people have been impacted by her decision to move. And this is what Jesus wants to do in your life and in mine as well, that he wants to transform us. But it requires us to take that step and to not only acknowledge, but then to move and to open that door and to say, Jesus, I want you to come in. And for some of us, that step of opening the door, maybe just simply being wherever you are right now, whether you're here in the room or whether you're at home, just taking a moment and just simply praying and saying to Jesus, Jesus, this is the room that I've been hiding for so long that I've said no to you that you cannot come in. And today I wanna open the door and I want you to come in and I want you to renovate that part of my heart. And the action step for you may be that. For others of us, it may be going and joining a community like Celebrate Recovery. And if you don't know what Celebrate Recovery is, it is one of the most real and authentic communities that we have here at Kensington. And oftentimes the misconception is is that people who go to Celebrate Recovery, they're just people who struggle with drugs and alcohol. And about a third of the people there do. But the rest of the community, there are people who wanna find freedom in areas like anger and codependency and anxiety and other things as well. And really what Celebrate Recovery is, is for anyone who wants to take a step towards freedom in some area of their life. And it happens every single Monday right here in this building at seven o'clock in the evening. And so if you would like more information on it, all you have to do is go to our app or our website. But if God is leading you in this direction, I would highly recommend. It is a powerful, powerful community. But what is God asking you to do today? What's he saying to you? Because for every single one of us, as I mentioned, he's knocking on the door of some room in our heart saying, will you hear me? Will you open that door and will you let me in? What is he asking you to do? What step of faith is he, and step of trust and courage is he asking you to take today? And so today, what we also wanted to do is to end this time together, to end the message is that we wanted to pray. And we, I wanted to pray a prayer called the Serenity Prayer. And it was written by an American theologian named Reinhold Niebuhr. And it's a prayer that's, a part of a lot of step studies, including the one that is a part of Celebrate Recovery. And this past year, I completed my step study in that I have a friend of mine named Bill, and he's right here. He's just right over there. And he was kind enough to lead me through the study, same material that we use at Celebrate Recovery. And it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. So this prayer that we're gonna be praying today, in the past year and a half, I have prayed it many times, and it's powerful. And it not only moves us to a place of acknowledgement, but it also moves us to a place of action and says, God, would you move us and take us on this journey? And so what I wanna invite us all to do is I wanna invite us to stand and the prayer is gonna come on the side. And so let's read this and let's pray this prayer together. So God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen.
1: As you remain standing, we're going to sing this last song together of King of Kings. Let's sing this one. Up.
3: It's one of my favorite songs. And it just goes, takes us a journey all throughout salvation history and just reminds us of the amazing things that God has done for us as his people. And I was just reminded, as I was singing the song over there, that these aren't just things that God has done in the past. These are the things that God still wants to do, similar things, powerful things, extraordinary things in your life and in mine right now and today. But we have to be willing to open that door extend the invitation and say jesus come on in and so that is my hope and that is my prayer for all of us today as we go and so thanks so much for being here everyone if anybody would like to receive prayer let me also say that we have actually have a prayer table out in the lobby would love to pray with you love to pray for you as well but thanks so much for being here have a great rest of your weekend everyone
0: you've been listening to the kensington church podcast if you've enjoyed this recording check back weekly for new content You can find Kensington on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course, at kensingtonchurch.org.